On today's podcast, we will be talking about COVID-19 and its impact. And our guest today is Ika Ayu. Ika is the executive director of Pinkom Polan Samsara, a feminist organization in Indonesia, which focuses on sexual and reproductive health and rights and safe abortion. Ika is experienced in qualitative research with feminist approach and in assisting communities to develop empowerment programs. She also has a lot of experience in policy development, advocacy and networking. Ika is a passionate activist and is involved in many local, national and regional feminist networks. Ika, welcome to the podcast today. We are delighted to have you as our guest. Hi, Rikia. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me in this podcast. Thank you for joining us. So we would like to talk about COVID-19 and its impact about your organization. But first of all, could you walk us through the way Samsara worked and operates before the pandemic? Samsara, as a feminist organization, having a couple of divisions for our work. So we have hotline counseling. We have an educational division who works for delivering any session, discussion, or workshop. And then we have an advocacy division and also a research. Before the pandemic, we actually provide the hotline in the phone or text message. So in the hotline, we don't really have a big change or any shifting after the pandemic. But yes, for the educational or in-person meeting or workshop agenda, we have so many challenges during yeah. the pandemic. Could you explain more about how many schools do you have and different locations? We have two locations. Each of the locations, we have one school. So it's a school to train the activists, the local communities to become a facilitator for the sexual and reproductive health. Yeah, after the school is finished, the student or like the participation of the school will conduct their session with their communities. So when the COVID-19 pandemic started, Ika, what were the biggest challenges that Perkompola and Samsara faced and how did you overcome them? Our biggest challenge is to reach communities in remote or rural area because as a background, Indonesia having like a lot of islands and for the remote or rural areas, we have limitation on the internet connection. So that become a challenge both for our hotline activity and educational or workshop agenda or another in-person agenda. Because with the lockdown restriction, people then have difficulties to go another place to access internet connection in order to call our hotline if there is no internet connection or assessing healthcare providers if needed. Because yeah, in a, a rural and remote area, the situation is not that good as we have in the more urban area. And for our educational agenda, it is becoming more limited for us to conduct an in-person session, and especially in remote areas. During the COVID-19, uh, we actually shift our agenda for the education into an online session. But 
of course, we are aware that it means only those who can access the internet connection who can join the session, yeah. while others with limitation couldn't join. So we then like shift some of the agenda and try as good as we can to reach the community and shift them into an online session. But another challenge coming, we cannot simply replicate our school into an online session and the new medium demand quite few adaptation. So yeah. we have a big concern about the momentum of having an in-person classes or session. It's really different. We felt that it becomes a challenge for us. I bet it must have been. So how did you adapt to these uh, challenges? We use Zoom as a platform. And one thing that make us still using Zoom, despite of any other thing like security, Zoom is becoming more accessible for people with a different internet connection level. We want to use a platform that is accessible for everyone who joined the class. They are familiar with platforms so that it's not giving more burden or difficulties for the participant. Knowing that we move the school class from the offline, from the in-person into an online, we try to build a strategy on how to still deliver the lesson plan. We still want to reach a certain goal during our online school. We have couples of strategy that we design, such as we try to reduce the curriculum so that the discussion in each session become more depth, so that each of the participants will have more understanding on each lesson that we bring in the online class. We break the participant into small group work and then we are still using the frame of conducting an in-person class. So we still ask the participant to research some issues and then bring back into our online class and then discuss it together ask the participant to present their finding, uh, share their analysis on their group so that we can build a more interactive interaction during the online class. Because, you know, during the pandemic, we have like tons of online classes and it's sometimes people might get bored with it. So we need to have an innovation on our strategy. But we also need to be aware about psychological impact because it's different. Like when we are in an in-person session, an online class, no one will answer your question or we cannot see people are nodding in front of us yeah. like that. So, yeah, we need to be aware about that psychological effect that we have from having like a day-to-day -day online Class. So one thing that we then learn about that again, we then provide more burnout prevention program for facilitator. We open more flexible day of facilitator need to have a break like yeah. for a certain day. So I think providing those action would also become part 
of how we facing this pandemic because yeah we really found that the psychological impact could affect each of us in this situation Oh, absolutely. It's such an important consideration now. You mentioned difficulties in reaching more remote communities in Indonesia. What other wider advocacy issues or challenges have you faced during the past year? COVID-19 has exposed our broken system of the sexual and reproductive healthcare in Indonesia. Since we knowing that there is a global projection in the demands of safe abortion will be increased during or even after this pandemic, we have a limited source to provide the support, both yeah. for the service, let's say for the, the self-managed abortion, because our hotline provides the information and the education for people who access the hotline when they having an unplanned pregnancy, what choices that they actually have, then we provide them with information, the counseling and the guidance. Also, we found that many healthcare facilities that previously can provide abortion, maybe like a surgical abortion, yeah. is restricted, then people need alternative In Indonesia, we also have a limitation on the contraceptive method that can only access by a certain group of people based on the law. So the need of people accessing the self-managed abortion or medication abortion is increased. Yeah, knowing that the, the healthcare facilities no longer can be accessed. But even so, in Indonesia, it's actually not many providers can provide the abortion service. Because of the law or because Because of of the the pandemic? Okay. And because of the pandemic, like there is increase in demand while the resources are decreasing. Is that correct? We saw an increase for the demand, but that the, yeah, the self-managed abortion require like pill. We need more recommendation so that people can access a good and recommended pill to manage their own abortion, yeah, yeah, it is now become a challenge. So how are you dealing with that particular situation? Do you have other partners that can help, can provide, or it's still an issue? Yeah, we have a network for safe abortion issue in Indonesia. We have a national network. We also address this issue into the government and the state about this critical situation. We demand the government to widen the access yes yeah it is becoming more challenging for us even we are pushing this critical situation into the government with our network our national network so looking to the future Ika, what two or three examples could you do to help your organization become even more resilient to future pandemic or other crises based on the experiences and the lesson learned from this current COVID-19 pandemic. Coming from previous year activity or training agenda, we network with a midwife or healthcare provider from different region or different mm. district in Indonesia. But still, you know, in Indonesia, we have around like 10,000 small islands yeah. and it's like separated from one to each other. We are now knowing that 
this pandemic required a stronger solidarity and a stronger network among civil society, among organization, among feminist network. So the first thing is, is to expand the network. We want to have every province, every district, we have community with them or like we built a strong networking with them and especially for the provision of the healthcare or like networking with the facilities so then we can transfer or sharing the information and education knowing that we cannot travel anywhere during this pandemic know more about where to go if there is client in our hotline we call everyone who call our hotline as a client if then a client needed a shelter, a crisis center, so we then can refer them into our network. And then the second, about the resource that, what yeah. that I mentioned before. Let's say if we have a limitation on the pill availability on our setting in Indonesia, then we hope like we have a more access to provide the resource for people who need the sexual and reproductive health care or safe abortion provision. The third one, the fund availability. I guess it becomes every organization challenge. We try to rely to the public funding, but of course, knowing that it is a global pandemic, it hit everyone. So we are still doing a fundraising, both for with partners, with partner organization. We set the priority for the public donation to support the people who needs the uh, service for people who access us to support them, like with the mobile credit or maybe to support them to access the pill, then we will invite the public to donate to us and then we can like share to the people who need uh, more support. Sounds great. Of all the innovation you've made and developments you've seen, what are you most proud of and what will help your long-term development? Because the, the method that we are promote is the self-managed abortion. We empower every people who needs the method. They have the power so they can use it, assisting with them with information that could be never been talked before. Like even people who access our hotline sometimes not believing that it's actually a choice. So yeah, empowering for the self-assessment, the self-managed portion is one of our methods that we provide on the hotline counseling. Also, we found after the school is over is the alumni is really eager to have a community kind of alumni association. So they create a collective of activists. We still build a good communication with them. We create a group of alumni and participants to maintain the interaction and the communication with the WhatsApp and also the Facebook Messenger. We share new material, new reference, or when they need some improvement, like they need more information regarding certain kind of issues or certain kind of skill, then we will conduct an online session for them. And then it is still running up to today. So they are still active in their community and in their network. We really appreciate and so glad that the community that we are work with 
are yeah empowered and we see like their improvement of the capacity that one thing that we are really excited about with this school after the school is over also despite the change from offline into online we are still actually conducting an in person meeting of course by improving the local resource that we have like the local community we networking with the local community so that we can still have an in person session and we expand the network we build the solidarity among area and region in Indonesia to build support system on the service provision i think the the hotline counseling is one of the innovation that we want to continue we want to sustain because we see that this platform this agenda is become one of the resilience activity and also i guess about generating the evidence that yeah. we find in the communities to become an evidence to drive the change in our advocacy agenda yeah the one thing that we are now really sure about this is when this pandemic is still like ongoing until today and we know that these strategies need to be sustained So if we are talking about long-term development one of the main goals will be to use this base evidence to build advocacy and if another pandemic or another crisis happens you'll be more prepared but yes of course we are in the position that providing the need of the community is the most important we need to have a really strong advocacy but we then forget that providing the service for the community is the most important because yeah. that's the point of driving a change you're so right that's brilliant thank you very much for being with us today on this podcast on covid-19 and its impact it's been a pleasure having you and uh, having this interesting conversation thank you very much and take good care <laughs> thank you kia it's a very nice conversation I hope we have another one in the future. Next time on the Amplified Change podcast. Hi. My name is Seyan Karin Kamara. I am an FGMC survivor, director at Keep the Drums Loose the Knife. We work to end female genital mutilation in Sierra Leone in the UK. I am a guest on a new podcast at Amplified Change. Please tune in to hear my talk about our work on sex positivity. Thank you.